I want you to go see these two guys in Chicago. They're going to teach you to be a dog. Welcome to Indecorous Podcast. Indecorous means not in good taste. 9-11 was a gender reveal. <laughs> Indecent. Bunch of lunatics with morbid senses of humor. Immoral. You don't have the money to bulldoze this building? Just draw Muhammad all over the place. <laughs> Somebody will blow that shit up. Shameless. I let my bush grow because it's kind of one of those locks for love type of situations. Impolite. People always fingering, but I'm like, you know what? My finger's always hard. I don't get whiskey fingers. And beyond the pale. What you wearing down on your toes? Before we do anything else, I want to clarify one thing, because I was listening to the episode that we did, 75. Yeah. Diamond anniversary. I looked it up. It was diamond. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't flower or whatever the fuck you guys said. Burlap. The burlap (laughs) anniversary. So I listened to it, and I noticed Ian asked me how long it took me to, to put the best stuff together. And I thought I answered, but then Kaylee asked me too, and I'm like, all right, I must have not done a good job of answering that question the answer is just it didn't take me any time at all because the way (laughs) i do it is i just cut out all the likes in your nose as i go every time i edit oh so you throw them in a special little file and then i push exactly and then i I don't just delete them i put them in there i'm very obsessive about this like i collect (laughs) all the likes and you know so they're already on their file so i just you know copied and pasted just a little segment and that's how the best stubs like as an example for this episode by the way I'm going to leave all of them in. I'm going to leave all the likes uh, and you knows in so people can get a better idea of what I'm what? usually cutting out. And then what my little, I'll, I'll still copy them. And then at the end, at the very, very end of this episode, you'll see a compilation of how many times we say like, you know. I mean, I only posted you guys, but I, I do it a lot too. So there's a lot that I cut out. Now, this is yeah. for the Patreon, right? <laughs> no, actually, there's, everybody's going to get this one. Oh, okay. This is going to be, there's a, hey, there's a little sneak peek. Into what you get to see if you if you actually join the Patreon, this, you get yeah, to this hear is like it's like a sneak peek. You know. <laughs> oh man, so so dicks up, boys. We gotta be on our best behavior this time. So I I got an update <laughs> for us making a reference to season two, episode twenty three. So Robert oh. Mercer, we kind of hit that main topic, and it was awesome. But the gifts keep giving because you know, Parlor, one of you know his many hits, they just fired the CEO of the company. Upon the direction of, get this, his daughter, Rebecca, who's essentially um, pulling the strings behind Parler these days. So here's what happened, essentially. Google and Apple delisted them. So people were saying the hate speech was getting out of control. Amazon AWS took them off the servers. So, you know, the dude, his name is John, CEO guy. He's like, you know, maybe we should kind of tame our tone a little bit on going hard R and going, you know, a little bit too heavy on the hate speech. So maybe we could get back in the good graces and get back on some platforms. So Rebecca Mercer heard him saying all this shit, and she's like, get the fuck out of here. Fired, you know? If you start <laughs> trying to stand up for civil rights and saying that you're going to police hate speech, what's next? We're going to be a safe haven for a bunch of bedwetting leftist pussies? She, yeah, I was going to say, she just calls him a pussy, like, in an official statement. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's a slippery slope towards communism, right? You, you start, you know, lightly policing hate speech, Next thing you know, you're just a safe haven for liberals. Yeah. And next thing you know, people getting all mad when you use the N-word. Jeez. Yeah. So what's America come to? I was talking about the difference between the N-words and black people. Come on. <laughs> right. Have you seen that? Because I had actually, I had never heard of Robert Mercer, but I had actually had seen his daughter. She fucking looks like Cruella DeVille. Have you seen her? Oh, yeah, dude. No. Like pictures of her? <laughs> 
I mean, it was almost like I saved the picture because I was like, I got to post this at some point. I never did. But it was like, the, it, like it's almost become cartoonish. It's like, it's one thing to be an evil right winger, but do you actually have to look like that as well? Like you have to plug, like she's really committed to the evil right wing extremist rich lady. Are you just saying that because she's wearing an actual coat made of Dalmatians? Yeah, I wouldn't doubt if she had one. Yeah, but I mean, she does. You, Ian, did you say you've seen her? Yeah, I have. I've seen a couple of pictures of her and she looks like the kind of lady that you would want to keep stray puppies away from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. She definitely looks the part of like, oh, this is a evil woman that you do not want to be associated with or be anywhere near. You know, I wonder, and, and maybe not so much in this case, but also possibly some people I could kind of see like maybe they do or say something that gets misinterpreted and then they just get labeled like the worst person in the world and they just they're like fuck it you know I'm like I guess I'll lean into it then I can see that I mean like I had actually not that I'm not a fan anymore but I, I became a big fan of Eminem when they first started giving him shit about I think he was saying the word fag I think, yeah. and he was trying to explain, I'm like, I'm not against gays, it's just I'm insulting this person's manhood or something like that. He, like, he was trying to explain that he wasn't bashing gays, but since they wouldn't let it go, he just was like, all right, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go all in, I'm going to keep saying this word, yeah. fuck you. Because I kind of have that attitude, too, towards people that get mad at jokes. It's such a stupid thing to get mad at. Yeah. That when they come after me like, oh, you're a racist homophobe for saying that, then I'll just be like, you know what, let me just do something even worse now, <laughs> since you're going to be such a bitch about it. And not to mention, it seems like the people that apologize are the people that end up going away or losing popularity, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. the people that are sticking around are like, no, fuck you, I was trying to be funny, or I was, you know, or I don't have that hate in my heart, go fuck yourself, you misinterpreted it, you know? Right. Uh, I mean, Bill Maher saying the, uh, saying the N-word of, you know, last year on his show. I remember Patrice, I think, was talking about how somebody had gotten in trouble, I think it was on the Marin podcast, about... Got caught with hookers or some shit, something like that. And he was saying, like, you know, the problem is that these people are not real about who they are. And that's why they get into so much trouble, because they pretend to be something that they're not. Meanwhile, like, if, say, Jim Norton got caught with hookers, be no story there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because he talks about it all the time. It's like, I think part of it is just own who you are. You know, don't apologize. Like, that's why... I can't get behind people that are like, I can't believe somebody shared what I posted the other day. I'm like, well, then don't post it. If you're not ready to own what you say. Don't fake the funk. Then, yeah, don't even say it to begin with if you can't defend yourself. Dude, I'm sure you've seen it at some point. I've probably talked about it with you at some point. But just that interview with, I don't know if she still is, but at the time she was the head of NOW, the National Organization for Women. And it was her and Patrice O'Neill. Oh yeah, that's the one from Uh, Fox News. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and she's like, America is outraged. And he's like, what, who's who's this America? Who's outraged? He's like, the people that I know are not outraged. You know, he's like, yeah, maybe in your little circle, you know, they're outraged. And then, uh, he has to explain his joke about the donkey punch and i guess one of the producers was laughing in the background and he's like why are you laughing sir that's not funny she's outraged yeah yeah or like the camera guy like everybody in the background is laughing 
I was yeah. like, oh, no, you can't. And yeah, no, I mean, Patrice, I think it might have been even been in that interview. He was talking about how, you know, if a comic tells a joke that doesn't land, that's all he's guilty of. He just told a joke that didn't work. He told a bad joke. Yeah. But it's not he's an evil person for telling a joke. He just told a joke. He was trying to make people laugh. If it didn't work, it didn't work. That's it. He's not what a fucking he's What not kind a of Hitler. person would misconstrue yeah. a donkey punch reference as like some form of like, you know, punishment or torture or, you know, the sex is too kinky? Because, I mean, last time I checked, I've only ever heard of one porno video made with donkey punch theme. And it was obviously a joke. I don't, I don't I I'm not familiar with, with this porno. You're yeah, but that lady was very upset about it. I will say. <laughs> so maybe she was the recipient of an unwanted donkey punch once or twice, and she's a little salty about that or something. Well, the is thing she... is, like, the donkey punch has become so taboo that proper donkey punch technique is no longer taught in schools. <laughs> I'm telling you, that should so be that like leads to a lot of accidents, a lot of black market donkey punches. That should be like middle to... school sex ed 101 kind of shit. You know, teach your, How teach your boys. How to properly donkey punch. <laughs> yeah, safety dude. procedures yeah. for a proper donkey the, punch. Yeah, these are the vest deferens, and this is a donkey punch. Welcome to episode 76 of Indecorous Comedy. This is episode 26 of season two. Indecorous Comedy is a reprehensively distinguished educational comedy show, either the smartest lowbrow or dirtiest highbrow podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Carlos Valencia. Behind me, we have Bobby D. Yo. And in front of me, we have Ian. What up? Today, we're going to be answering listener questions, talking about indecorous news. We'll be diving deep into the indecorous history of bank heists. And we'll close it all out by checking up with our good buddy, Crispy, at the 7-Eleven. But before we get into any of that, let's welcome our guest today, Mr. John Conroy, everybody. John, how you doing, sir? Hey, man. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, dude. How you been, man? I uh, I haven't really. Well, I mean, I was gonna say like I haven't seen you in a while, but I don't think we've ever really done a show together ever. Yeah, like we've kind of traveled in the same circles, but yeah, like I remember, I think we've been at shows together, but never been on one, right? Exactly. Yeah, like I remember, I, I it might have been the first time that I met you. Met you was this like Sunday show they had in uh, Minneapolis. Willie's, I think. That's what it was. That's what it was. Yeah. At, at Coon Rapids. That show that's was like the ultimate dive show. That's why I remember it because it was in a place called Coon Rapids. You can't forget a name like that. <laughs> no. Wait, that, no. that's the the actual name of the town. That's not like uh that, oh that's a town in it's like north of Minneapolis. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. It's uh and that ended, though. Right? I mean, you know, I know everything's over because of COVID, but even before COVID, right? Didn't it shut down? Yeah, it, I think that ran for a long time. There were three different hosts. Mm-hmm. It was uh, Joey Aiello, Daryl Horner, and Corey Adam. Yeah, Corey Adam is the one that I was familiar with, yeah. Yes. Wait, that show ended or the town ended? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, okay. the town got canceled. Well, the town the town ended before the show. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> that was their main economy? Was that Yeah. <laughs> The show went much longer than the town. <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, I was, I was only there the one time, but it seemed to me that it had a similar vibe of like, because I lived in Atlanta for a long time, and like Star Bar was the open mic that had gone on forever in Atlanta, and it seemed to me like that mic there had been going on for a while too. Yes, definitely. Like, and it was like the sort of place that they'd have a weekly local headliner. Right, right. And you would take it, but then you would dread it. yeah like you knew it was going to be like 75 bucks but you knew like you're like ah i gotta do willies on sunday 
That right, yeah. <laughs> there were a lot. There were. I used to do. Did you ever do the Sunday at uh, Grand Rapids, the Sunday Night Funnies gig? Oh yes, yeah, the one that was like in the hotel bar. Yeah, in the hotel bar. Yeah. Wait, exactly. are you talking about regular Grand Rapids or Grand Wizard Rapids? <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, everything, <laughs> everything has a KKK theme in Michigan, apparently. <laughs> why, why? I'm sorry. I'm, if I'm new to that joke, what? Why do we? Oh, uh, he. I, I think he's referencing Coon Rapids and Grand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what oh, I was. Uh, I'm with the riff now. <laughs> Grand Wizard Rapids. Yeah, I, yeah. I thought you yeah. knew something about Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is sort of like a weird white shitty town in uh, its own right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, uh, I haven't been yet. Yeah, Bobby's so. just never heard a racist reference he didn't like, so he's got to <laughs> he's going to be doing those callbacks for the rest of the podcast. As bad as Coon Rapids, Michigan is, or Minnesota is named. Grand Rapids, Michigan is worse because it's the home of the DeVosses. Oh, oh is that right? Them. I didn't know that. All of the yeah, all of the DeVos clan are Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah. Uh, okay. Like if you if you go do a week at Grins, you'll see DeVos's name on all the buildings. Uh, no shit. I had no idea. Yes. Yeah, they're like the rich Republicans of that city. God damn, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, that's yeah, that was news to me. All right, well, let's kick it off, guys. We like to open the show with questions sent from our millions of listeners around the world. We accept all questions sent to us, but we rarely have an answer for any of them. The first question is always, where do I send questions? And that's the indecorouscomedy at gmail.com. Or hit us up on our social media. We got Facebook, Instagram at indecorouscomedy, Twitter at indecorouspod, Patreon at indecorouscomedy. And how do you spell indecorous, Bobby? That's I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. That's right. And our first question comes from Steve. His question is, is marriage dead? I would say no, because people are still getting married, obviously. But I honestly, I've never been a big fan of the whole thing. And it seems like people don't take it as seriously as they used. Are you married, John? No. Okay. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> it's dead to me. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, based on the way you said that, I think. <laughs> I mean, I've always, I've been of the philosophy that if, you know, if you really like somebody, why can't you just be with them? First of all, I don't think relationships are made to last forever. I think that's a big fairy tale. I think no matter what, eventually, unless you're the luckiest person in the world and you've happened to meet the one person that's absolutely perfect for you. Right. You guys going to have a good relationship for a while. And then when it's not so good, then you can just be like, okay, you know, we had our fun. Let's go our own ways. But if you made the mistake of getting married at some point between those two things, then now it's a lot more complicated. Well, I will say this. Yeah. To be a contrarian, though, Carlos, you know, fuck buddies generally don't get to, like, sue you for half of everything you own on some sort of a gentleman's fist bump agreement. So there is an upside to marriage if you're a scheming, conniving gold digger. Oh, okay. So, so yeah, yeah. If you look at it as a kind of a get rich quick scheme, it kind of doesn't. I, I was engaged once. I was, and I, after we got engaged, we ended up engaged for like five years, and she never asked me to set a date. Huh. And that's how I, I was like, this is the perfect woman for me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just kept engaged for all that time, and then we broke up. But, she just, you know. She just wanted to say fiance. For an extended period of time. Such a fancy word. I never did use that word. Uh, I went with Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she was just, she just would like tell people that we were married too. Though. See, and that's another I, thing too. You can just tell people 
that you're married. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we were very like common law married, but never signed any of the papers or any of that. Like she didn't want to get involved with my tax situation. So we never, <laughs> we, she never, she was like, until you get that looked at, I, I don't have any plans to set a date. And I was like, well, I'm just never going to get that looked at. Yeah. Ian, Ian, didn't you have to have like a whole crash course about like credit and everything? Oh, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I will say in my personal experience, the one upside to marriage is it shuts the nagging down completely because if you don't get married, the nagging is very, very intense. But then once you put the ring on the finger, then, you know, get a little peace and quiet. Yeah, but I think John had the hack here. You just yeah. get engaged and then that stops the nagging oh, yeah. without hack. I don't think that works. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just caught one lucky break there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, the exception, not the rule. And by the way, I don't think she'd make that same mistake again. <laughs> so let's put it down the brass tacks here. Is marriage dead, Ian? Well, I guess you would have to say... Oh, I'd, right? I'd say it's alive and well here. Bobby, how about you? I'm going to say no, because, I mean, it definitely does. Obviously, it's not something that, you know, guys like you and I need. But for some situations, I mean, Jesus Christ, imagine, you know, being a gay couple before, you know, all of this. And you got to make like end of life decisions and yeah. stuff like that, you know. And then it's now it's going to be left up to the your lover's homophobic parents, you know, to make the calls. So, I mean, it definitely has its place, but it's really more of a, you know, you know, a way to get health insurance. What do you think, John? I think alive and well for everybody else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, like I love my friends that are married and happy are the best of the people that I love. Them. I think it's amazing. Yeah. But yeah. It's not for me. I know that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. It's uh, yeah, it's alive. It's just uh, keep me out of it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, this is our second question. It comes from Anthony. Anthony asks, what do you believe the chances are that we see any significant political change in this country without a revolution? Now, I'm glad that we can have this question now without having to deal with Trump being in office, because that was like the main turd that I was, you know, like, I knew that, the, you know, Trump not winning the election was not going to solve all the problems in America. <laughs> but I'm just glad that that turd is out of the way. And now we can get back to like how shitty America was before it was even shittier. Yeah. But yeah, if you're going to get to the core of the problems that we have in America, it just seems very institutionalized to me to, to like be able to get rid of all the money that's involved in politics without fucking doing something drastic. It does seem to be, though, one of those things where like, I mean, any progress that's made has just been kind of like slowly chipping away. You know what I right. mean? Kind of like they've been doing like the, the country's relationship with marijuana in the last decade. Yeah. You know, I mean, remember when it was like just unheard of, there is no way that some state is just going to legalize it. And now like a good chunk of the country, you can just go and buy it legally, you know? Right. So, right. I mean, and I think we'll see something at the very least, like decriminalized at the federal level. And, but it's also one of those things where if there was a major revolution and, and, you know, a violent one at that, I mean, it's not like the people that were to, to just take over at that point are just going to have the right answer for every single situation. In this country. They're just going to be able to solve everything immediately. No, that's yeah. not, you know. Yeah. And the other part of it, too, is like there's more than one side that would be taking arms. You know what I'm saying? Even though I'm not Democrat or Republican, I do lean left more than I'd lean right. 
But there's also, like, we just saw these people storming the Capitol. There's also fucking right-wingers that are wanting to start a revolution. So who's going to win? You know what I mean? It's not necessarily, like, if we have a revolution, it's going to be, oh, yeah, it's going to be all wonderful after fucking whoever takes over. I can give you a hot take. To the spirit of the question of can we get, you know, things done without a revolution, I think the answer is yes. And going with the contrarian Republican viewpoint, all it takes is some tinkering around the lines to make gerrymandering a little bit more beneficial for them, find ways to, you know, stuff districts, and they basically get some really favorable, crazy as shit laws passed that way. They have the Electoral College going for them that were minority, you know, populations and, you know, statistical minorities in rural areas are overrepresentative in the House of Representatives and in Congress, and they can get some shitty judges and some shitty policies, not by revolution, but by strategically drawing crazy as fuck lines, you know? Yeah. Oh, and they're going at it full force after November. I mean, they're the, at the state level to try and keep people from voting and oh, stuff. Yeah. It is, and that's, yeah, that's and the other tool. Full swing. That's, you brought up a good point. That's the other tool they have. It's as sharp as just the, the gerrymandering is to take away voting access. So by doing those two things, no tickies and torches and whatever, they can just get exactly what they want with uh, subverting the will of the people by keeping them out of the democratic process. Absolutely. What do you think, John? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it depends on what meaningful is to you, you know. I think it's going to be... Yeah, incremental. that's exactly what I was just thinking, because, yeah, what is the definition of significant political change? I, I would expect incremental change from the Biden administration. Like, I think Obamacare was meaningful. Yeah. I wouldn't expect anything that huge from this administration. Right. But, but the difference between going from a government that is, like, purely evil and injurious on purpose to this government that's at least trying <laughs> yeah. to do the old style is meaningful in its own right. I, think. I, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I agree with that. And it's also a thing where, you know, like I said earlier, it's just like, oh, it's nice to get back to, all right, we can argue about real shit now that we've gotten rid of the turd. Right. But I also, you guys might have seen this too on social media where People are like, oh, after Biden got elected, I'm not seeing anybody waving Biden flags. And, uh, oh, I guess you guys are regretting that vote. And I'm like, no, people just voted for the guy. We're, we're not fucking worshiping the man. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, if he hey, if he does fine to put the Obama administration back together, I think that's a successful first term. For sure, for, for sure. Yeah. And it's kind of like we've seen with, you know, the Affordable Care Act. I mean, first of all, we don't. Uh, apparently don't know what's good for us at all, when it, especially when it comes to healthcare. But, yeah. you know, because, I mean, the same people that were against it years ago and against it on paper throughout, you know, this last administration, I mean, they still could not take that away from their constituents. You know what I mean? They still did not have the political willpower to actually dismantle it. I mean, they did oh, what they could, you know, from the executive order standpoint, but that's it. I do think we could get to a point where we have universal health care without revolution. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that would be extremely meaningful to people. So I, yeah, that's a, yeah. I think I think and I think I think I think and I think I think I think and I think just to get back to this question, I think it boils down to what you believe is significant political change and how much patience you have. You know what I mean? Because I, I do think we are on the right path. 
But it's just like, you know, it, I, I can also see how it's frustrating yeah. right. to be like, fuck, like, you know, to go back to the weed thing, like this shit should have been legal a hundred years ago. Yep. And just yeah. now we're getting to it. But yeah, right. I mean, and also it's perspective, right? Like if you think Joe Biden's the head of a pedophile cabal, you're probably not going <laughs> to get the kind of change you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly right. Man. All right, we're going to get to our last question here. Kristen asks. Why do we love true crime shit so much? Like, uh, I'm assuming she means, you know, all this, all like podcasts and Dateline and all this. Like, what is it? My favorite murder? Is that the one that's really big? Yeah. Uh, even though I'm not like a junkie for this shit, I do find it interesting when I watch, you know, like Serial. I, I listen to Serial back when the, that was popular, like six years yeah. ago. And I, when I see documentaries on Netflix and shit, it always catches my eye but i can't say that i am obsessed with it but some people really genuinely are like every day and they get obsessed with it and they they'll do um like like l- crime reenactments yeah totally <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so so what do you guys think what is the appeal of it i think it's a it seems to me to be a natural step for any horror fan why wouldn't you want to engage in <laughs> a real horror yeah that's right yeah you're just taking it to the next step well, I and I think it's also it's just one of those things that like the thought of actually murdering somebody just it just seems so crazy to any sane person that when somebody actually does it like that's a fucking compelling story, you know what I mean? Yeah. Somebody was pushed over the edge that much and then you, you know, you kind of want to hear the details about that story. Well, I and I you know what? And I th- also think that some people even though they wouldn't probably never do it have fantasized about killing people so i think that that's part of the fascination too is like oh this motherfucker actually did what i've been wanting to do for a while except you know hopefully when you <laughs> thought about it it was to kill some person that really deserved it you know yeah I mean? yeah you're not just like taking notes for you know fun times <laughs> yes right you're not just jerking <laughs> off to this shit <laughs> and is i mean it's life or death that's interesting by yeah yeah that's right it's high stakes I, yeah. exactly <laughs> you know i it's interesting because i heard somebody was reviewing Mad Men. did you guys ever watch Mad Men? oh yeah yeah I've seen an episode or two, but I'm not really familiar. Well, Mad Men, because for a second there, people were saying like, oh, the top series of all time, it's Sopranos, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, and like The Wire or, or, you know, like that sort of thing. And what this guy was trying to, the point that he was trying to make is that Mad Men didn't really escalate to the level of those other series because the stakes weren't life or death. Like nobody was getting killed at the advertising agent. Meanwhile, right. with Sopranos, Wire, Breaking Bad, you know, if you made the wrong move, you were going to actually die. And that does. Hey, one guy know, hung himself on Mad Men, all right? <laughs> but that's, yeah. Spoiler right, alert, Bobby. Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> we apologize for that, John. See, now John's not going to. Now he knows that some guy hangs I, himself. I think, I, I think the Mad Men ship sailed for me. I don't <laughs> yeah, think it's yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I like John Hamm too much in everything else to watch him be a shithead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to move to our second segment. This is Indecorous News. This is the segment where we highlight the most important news happening across the United States and all over the world. After you listen to this segment, you will never have to listen to another newscast ever again in your entire life. This first headline is Hacker used ransomware to lock victims in their chastity belt. So for the details, Ian can take us on that. All right, so users of the Bluetooth-controlled 
Quasilmate chastity device were targets of an attack with malware last year after security researchers found a vulnerability in the toy that allowed locking it remotely. Quasilmate is a connected sex toy with a companion app to control its locking slash unlocking via Bluetooth that is typically managed by someone else other than the person wearing the device. So this is, I think we should probably clarify, this is probably like for S&M play, right? This isn't for like uh, torturing I, somebody. This would be for like fun, right? Is that the way that you took? I took it as just some people are jealous as fuck and they want to put a chastity belt on their partner. I, I feel like it'd be the most expensive thing at the commissary. Yeah, I, I could see I could see all three cases. Well, those two plus the controlling father and the teenage girl, you know, so I could see all three. It's not a controlling father and a daughter, right? Contract for a dick. <laughs> yeah, these sales are off the charts in Riyadh. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point, dude, because I was like, I mean, do you know, Ian? Did you look at Because Ian submitted the story, but I didn't actually get a visual of this thing. But I got to guess it's for dudes, right? They're not fucking putting this on women. <laughs> I think it's for dudes. I think it's for S&M for, like, you know, mostly kinky gay guys is my guess. Oh, so we're like, I'm not going to allow you to jerk off? I mean, uh, I would just, uh, honestly, I was thinking like, okay, so I'm going to put this on you because I don't want you to cheat on me or whatever. Yeah, it looks like a cod piece kind of thing. And it does go on the, yeah, well, shit. I'm seeing pictures of, uh, uh, most- Well, just open your drawer. <laughs> Tell us what yours looks like. Yeah, it's basically on both guys and ladies. And it looks like it's, uh, Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, so there's what it comes down to. You put this shit on and it blocks your junk. And you can't unlock it yourself. Whoever has the cell phone can unlock it for you. Yeah. Correct? Definitely. Uh, Wait, is this like is this like some high-tech Mormon thing? Yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely S&M gear. As I'm looking at this closer, I mean, this has to be 100% like the kinkiest S&M kind this of stuff. This could get into the wrong hands of the religious right and really cause a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you thought only teaching abstinence was bad. Wait till they fucking get a hold of this shit. Yeah, that's like the one product where there'd be like overlap laugh between the, the religious right and like kinky gay dudes <laughs> yeah. god forbid if any religious guy ever learns how to use a computer <laughs> yes, right, or use a computer not for child porn <laughs> right. all right bobby you can do this next paragraph in october 2020 researchers at pen test partners published details about a serious vulnerability that allowed a remote hacker to take control of any kiwi cellmate device They found the vulnerability would return a huge amount of information about users, such as location, phone number, plain text, password. Yeah, so apparently by hacking this thing, you can dox somebody. You can just dox somebody with their chastity belt. Oh, man. Is what they fucking found out. Yeah, dox them as having a parent that cares. (laughs) (laughs) Well, following the disclosure, an attacker started targeting QE cellmate mobile apps users who controlled the smart toy and locked the chastity device. Victims were asked to pay 0.02 bitcoins, which is around $270 at the time of the attacks. Soon after the attack started, a flood of complaints came from victim users reporting that they could no longer control the smart adult toy. Some of them fell victim to the attacker multiple times. Like, now that, if I can, I can't forgive that shit. I mean, you, dude, lock me in my chastity belt once. Shame on me. But dude, twice, you're like, ah, no, I think they figured it out. I'm going to fucking put yeah. this shit back on. Fuck no. Can't get fooled again. Yeah, it would take me a long time to trust technology again. Yeah, any technology to be, any, at least nowhere near my fucking junk. Well, they look pain yeah. and suffering, so there you go. 
So the attacker engaged victims after locking the chastity devices they controlled. The attacker also mocked victims when they asked what had happened, saying that they used magic to take control of the smart adult toy. <laughs> magic oh, underpants. That's yeah, that's insult to injury right there, man. There that's like, I oh, yeah, just fucking I put a spell on your thing. So if you're like super <laughs> submissive in this kind of scenario, would you feel like this is just part of the fun? Like you think that your leather daddy is really just having a big old ball for you and you're just like, ooh, this is extra spicy. Or would you be like, God damn it, I've got to piss. I'm scared I'm not going to get to. I mean, it's hard to put myself in that situation just because I would never put myself in this situation. And not to mention, I mean, it it seems like it'd just be par for the course for like, you know, those people that are into, you know, financial domination. (laughs) Right. Like, ooh, I got to I got to pay you to get out of this. All right. Man, it's a win win if you ask me. Yeah, I forgot about that. Have you heard of that, John? The people that enter financial domination? Uh, yes. I, I mean, I've heard the fairy tale. I have yet to meet one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. You hear about yeah. all this shit. It's like, who the fuck has that kind of money that they're into losing money forcibly? That that's what they. I, I wish I could get to the point that I had enough money that I could fucking jerk off to losing money. Be a broad to step on your balls with their high heels and rip you off. I can use a stiletto and step on a guy's balls for 500 bucks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. All right, Ian, you can do the next paragraph. All righty. Some users were concerned that the only way to remove the cellmate device was by cutting it off since there was no manual override for the Bluetooth lock. However, cutting the hardened steel used for the lock required an angle grinder. And given the sensitive area, this was far from an option for victims. What a bunch of cucks, right? You can <laughs> yeah. take a fucking angle grinder to your fucking crotch. Come on, man. Yeah. Are we not even going to address the fact that the name for this product is just uh, amazing? <laughs> what is it? Oh, Cellmate. The Cellmate, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a... what's funny is that when I first heard this story, I thought it was a thing to keep like prisoners from fucking each other, you know, like in jails and shit. <laughs> yeah, know, so. yeah. That's, that's, what, that's the image it conjured up for me as well. <laughs> yeah. The U.S. government can't afford to be that inhumane. it's just a budgeting problem there it's kind of a fun play on that fantasy though because i would assume that in a real use case for the cellmate chastity belt would be more like a butt plug but um this is like for the cock so like a a butt plug for the cock i think that was their slogan a butt plug for the cock (laughs) (laughs) all right bobby you can close it out with the last paragraph luckily some emergency escape possibilities were available One of them was to contact remote support and ask them to unlock and reset the cellmate. Another involved only a screwdriver to unlock the device manually, and Kiwi posted a video showing how to do it. The latter came with voiding the warranty of the product. Oh, God, yeah. If I have to void (laughs) the warranty, I'm going to keep the fucker on, you know that? Yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't think you're going to be too concerned with the longevity (laughs) of the device after a a nightmare like that. (laughs) Yeah, I spent so much money on this shit. What if it actually breaks later? I don't want to be able to get to go to the cellmate store, get one of the cellmate geniuses to fucking. Uh... You definitely find out that day about that apparatus, though. You know, you're either in for a dime or in for a dollar at that point. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Either I love this or it went real wrong and I'm done. Yeah. This, was, this was like this company's. Ashley Madison moment. You know what I mean? <laughs> Where like the worst possible thing that could have happened did happen. 
to the company. Yeah. Also, I mean, I was going to say, like, that's got to be a weird customer support call to make. But I mean, you know, if this is what they sell, they got to be fucking used to this sort of shit, right? As, op- as opposed to the run of the mill calls they get on that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, just the basic. Yeah. All of the, hey, what are you up to calls? <laughs> Hi, I just called to say I love the device. <laughs> yes, right. Five stars. <laughs> I haven't come since it arrived. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the fucking weirdest positive review you could ever leave on something, right? <laughs> I haven't come ever since I got this product. I haven't come a single time. <laughs> a plus. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to this next story. The headline is, Woman quits job to earn six figures a month acting as a dog on OnlyFans. Bobby, you can give us more information on this. Yeah, I'm I'm, kind of skeptical here. Um, (laughs) Jenna Phillips from Austin, Texas, says that she always felt like a dog growing up, but not in a sexual way at first. (laughs) She used to pretend to be a puppy. Rolling around, fetching balls, and loved getting praise. Good girl. During her two years as an, I'm guessing, obstetrician? Um, yeah, Chinese... optician. Is, is optician that... not a word? Is it not? I don't know. Actually. I don't know. That's a, that's a word. <laughs> yeah, that's like an eye lady. I don't yeah, eye yeah. lady. <laughs> eye lady, Bobby. I like eye lady. Eye, eye lady. That's what's <laughs> really she, just... she was an eye broad. One of these eye broads. Yeah. <laughs> But she started an OnlyFans account where she posted vanilla content for the first 18 months. But whilst Jenna has always loved acting like a puppy, it was only when she met the two men in Chicago who explained the pet play scene to her that she really got involved with doing dog stuff. All right, now, I don't know if this was a thing with the Zoom or if you actually said the two men in Chicago, like T-H-E, because that makes that sound a lot more nefarious. <laughs> yeah. like, you know, you know, it was an innocent thing until she met the two men in Chicago. And you know... Yeah. I want you to go see these two guys in Chicago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, it sounded yeah. like or cry. They're going to teach you to be a dog. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, you ever, you ever do zanies, John? You got to meet the two men in Chicago before you do zanies. You got to meet the two guys, and then you learn how to be a dog, and then it's sick. Six fig, no problem. <laughs> yeah. You're set. Bam, boom, bang. Six figures. Yeah, no, I just fucked that one up. That's not on the screen. Oh, okay. Well, no, you just fucking made it better, is what you did, dude. <laughs> but I, it is that's funny. What I do, though. Carlos. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's why we got you on the podcast, man. <laughs> yeah, but it is funny, though, that this he met these two guys in Chicago <laughs> who were all about the pet play scene, and that fucking changed her life. So I guess that's a Chicago thing. Yeah. That's just such a weird amount of information to get about them. Like, why just the town? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. Tell me more about these guys who have a dog scenario cooked up. Yeah, like where I got this article, whoever wrote the article, I saw it in several sources, like different websites. They all said the same thing. Two guys from Chicago, like just saying from Chicago. Oh, well, yeah, it goes without saying. Of course. You know well, they're how famous they are. for their hot dogs and their dog play. Well, that's, that's why it's my kind of town. <laughs> all right. Jenna explained, I feel like a dog. I just want to roll around, play fetch, get head scratches, run around and play. All of that. I really love praise. I love hearing good girl. It makes my heart melt every time. Looking back on it now, it's kind of always been there. I just didn't know there was a scene. I just thought it was my personality. When it comes to pet play, the majority of girls do kittens, foxes, or rabbits, and the majority of puppies are men. So she crossed over. She was like, all right, I'm going to you know, break the 
The glass ceiling. Sex type standard, yeah. We went from two guys in Chicago to a whole scene pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, you know, if you're gonna make it in pet play, you gotta move to Chicago. It's improv, improv, <laughs> and pet play. That's what you move to Chicago for. How's that saying go? Where there's a will, there's beef. I'm here. I wanted to get into improv and being a dog. <laughs> yes, right. Like ideally, you get into Second City, and the first thing that they tell you is be a dog, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah. I've been Fuck training you. for this my whole life <laughs> yes right. <laughs> all right well in one tiktok video puppy girl jenna cheekily begs for food under the table at a cafe before her owner feeds her a scrap of meat in another she's told off for peeing on the floor and is locked in her cage as a punishment since posting her first video in march of last year 2020 jenna has achieved viral fame and gained 182,700 followers, many of whom supported her monthly income of $10,000 on OnlyFans. Wait, I thought you said six figures. This no, is bullshit. I think, I I th I think bullshit. it was, I think it's five figures actually, but I mean, I believe in her. I think she can get there. I think the guys from Chicago take 90,000. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. This is a real heavy vig on dog play. That's <laughs> yeah. a, a commission. Well, the real moneymakers in dog fight play. So <laughs> they pit her against other puppies. That's uh, yeah. That's gonna be our deep dive for the next podcast. <laughs> fucking all the puppy dog fighting rings. First rule of doggy fight club. That's right. We need to find Jenna an opponent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, right. She's undefeated so far. And although she is willing to try a lot of things to fulfill her customers' needs, she has made it clear that there are some things she just won't do. She said, some of the requests are a bit too much. They want me to hang out with a vacuum. No. Um, people have <laughs> asked me to... <laughs> yeah, that would be good. Yeah, go on. That wasn't yeah. even in the script. Yeah, no, no, no kids, no vacuum. <laughs> yes. <laughs> people have asked me to film with a real dog, and I can't say no quickly enough. There are no animals involved in my filming and never will be. There are also other women that do the dog thing, but they have different names than this one. And we're not going to talk about them because there are other segments we need to get to on this podcast. And we can't spend a whole episode talking about dog women. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because the article I saw, then they got into other women that are also doing this shit. And I'm like, oh, I don't yeah. want to get into the... I want, I want to talk about the fucking Michael Jordan of this shit. The Tom Brady <laughs> of uh, dog pet so, so this kind of answered the burning question we all had was, is there a line between this and bestiality? And apparently she's no fun is the answer. Yeah, apparently she's like, I act like a dog, except when it comes to actually doing what dogs love to fucking do. Yeah, the two guys in Chicago told her how she could make six figures a month, and she said she's comfortable with just five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to move on to our indecorous deep dive of the week. We build this show as an educational comedy podcast. We often fall short of the latter, but we always deliver on the former. This week's Deep Dive was written by Bobby. So, Bobby, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce it. Well, not as exciting as bull semen or maple syrup ice. Some bank robberies are definitely cooler than others. Tonight, we're going to talk about 10 of the largest bank heists in history. And if you're like me and you've ever paid a $35 overdraft fee to a bank because your cup of coffee went through before your direct deposit cleared, you can't even feel bad for them. Yeah, we talked about this a couple of podcasts ago where, you know, like your moral compass and shit like that. If I was ever in a bank robbery, like I was a customer and somebody went in to rob the bank, I'd be like, go ahead. I'm fucking, I don't give two shits about you taking this bank's money. 
Yeah, it's like a, a little victory for all of us, you know. I think so. I think so. I would what? not be the hero. Yeah. In 1997, Dunbar Armored Safety Inspector Alan Pace recruited five childhood friends for what would be the biggest cash heist in history of the United States. They timed security cameras to avoid them, assaulted two armed guards on their lunch break, and made off with $18.9 million in a U-Haul. They almost got away with it, except one of the guys lent money to a friend without removing the original cash straps. Oh, my uh. God. A friend in need is a friend that will land you in jail. So they took $18.9 million in cash? Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, it was, that's the thing. I don't think it was the biggest heist in U.S. history, but it was the biggest, like, just straight cash. Well, well that's what's so impressive about it. It's like, that is so, like, just in, The in weight, amount. yeah, just the sheer weight. That's why they needed the U-Haul. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. God damn, man. I wonder if they paid in advance for the U-Haul. Or they were like, nah, we can cover this after. Well, that's how they caught Timothy McVeigh. I mean, he bought the insurance. Is that right? No. <laughs> oh, okay. You <laughs> no. got to fucking... I was like, but, I, but I had you going there for me. Yeah, you did for a second. <laughs> he was just like, look, I'll kill 168 people. I'm not going to fucking... I'm not going to get, you know, stuck with the, the bill to fix this truck. Oh, hold on. Isn't that... That is kind of true, though, isn't it? Isn't that the, how they tracked him? Like, it was the van that caught it, that got him caught because he rented it, right? I think what, like, they just happened to catch him during a completely unrelated traffic stop. But they were like, able to Shortly trace. after that. And that may have been, I mean, they may have been able to tie him to that. But Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah. They, I think they were able to trace the van that blew up and that he was the one that had rented it. But, I, yeah, I don't think he took insurance on that. <laughs> like, I'm not getting dinged for this fucking thing blowing up. Yeah, he just, the, the guy asks if he wants the insurance. He just, like, chuckles and, no siree. Yeah, and you can do the next one. All right, in 1972, career criminal Emil Deniso put together a gang of six robbers and di- oh, shit. And dynamited their way, I've never heard that as an adjective before, and dynamited their way into the vault of the United California... Or, or as a verb. Or as a verb, shit, yeah. <laughs> Put together a gang of six robbers and dynamited their way into the vault of the United California Bank, where they heard President Nixon kept a multi-million dollar slush fund. They stole $30 million worth of cash and valuables, being careful to scrub down the crime scene and the rental they planned it in. The cops eventually identified the robbers because... Of a generous tip, they gave a cab driver along with one set of fingerprints they forgot to scrub on the inside of the dishwasher. This goes back to what I was saying earlier. Is like these guys, I don't know how they're pulling off. I mean, I guess it's, you, you got to put at least a little bit of thought into the actual robbery. But a lot of them are fucking idiots, dude. Like you, you gave a fucking, like the previous guy gave a bunch of cash still wrapped in the thing. And then these guys go all out and fucking give the cab driver, I don't know, a fucking $10,000 tip. You're just almost asking to get caught. Yeah, I mean, really, the, the takeaway here is uh, never do anything nice for it. And ne- never give a cab driver more than a basic bitch tip because they'll turn on you in a New York heartbeat, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't tip is what we're fucking putting here. <laughs> well, in 1976, during a civil war in Lebanon, a group of robbers thought... Well, what better time to rob a bank? And they did just that. They used explosives to blow through the wall of a Catholic church into the British Bank of the Middle East next door. 
Some of the thieves are professional locksmiths and use their skills to crack open the vault, making off with $44.5 in cash, stocks, gold bars, jewels, and other valuables. None of the loot was ever recovered, and the crime remains unsolved. Really? Okay. So they, yeah. so they blew up a Catholic church. I see no crime here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Right. Think it's of so, how many buttholes they saved. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's not just about the money. It's sometimes about the buttholes. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's pretty smart. Like, take advantage of the chaos that's going on around the country and fucking do uh, bank robbery. Like, probably the smartest thing you could have done is try to rob a bank in Washington, D.C. when all the capital was getting stormed. Yeah. I think there's also a fun loophole here because all you have to do is go to confession and basically beg for forgiveness, and they'll be like, all right, God forgives you, move on. Well, I mean, if yeah. they were Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> the week before Christmas in 2004, robbers in Belfast, Northern Ireland, dressed as police officers and entered the homes of two northern bank managers, holding their families hostage and instructing them to go to work as normal the next day. At the end of that day, the managers let the thieves into the bank where they stole 26.5 million British pounds, biggest bank robbery in Irish history. So far, only one person has been arrested in connection to the heist for money laundering, and they must not want stitches because they didn't give anyone up. Huh. So I guess that sexy cop Halloween costume really paid off. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody even said anything about, like, the amount of cleavage they were showing for no good reason. (laughs) Do we know, like, how many people were involved in these things? Or were they just, like, we only know that this guy was involved because he money laundered and he has not given up anybody, so we just... That's the only guy that we know that was involved in this shit? Yeah, it didn't say uh, how many people were involved total because, I mean, you know, they don't know. I guess I still have the whole mentality of, like, Hollywood shit. Like, it's people with machine guns breaking into a bank sort of thing. But a lot of it, just the details of everything isn't as obvious. I'm just always picturing people in fucking... Like the movie Heat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm picturing people in ex-president masks. Yeah. Breaking into the... (laughs) Yeah. All right, Ian, you can do the next one. All right. In 1983, a Brinks Matt security guard named Anthony Black let a group of robbers into the company's warehouse at London Heathrow Airport. They tied up the other security guards and stole 40 million cash, gold bars, and diamonds, wishing the tied-up guards a Merry Christmas on the way out. Oh, that's sweet. Most of the robbers were eventually caught, but the gold was never found. How do you, uh, you know, and I ask you guys because you guys are a bunch of criminals. But yeah, how do you get rid of the diamonds and the gold bars? I'm assuming they know how to do this shit. But if somebody was to give me, like, here's a bunch of gold bars and diamonds, I don't know, what the fuck, what do I do with this shit? I know it's valuable. All it takes is about 10 very vain women, and then you're good to go. They got the nicest jewelry, they're set for life, and none is wiser. And they're going to have the money to fucking pay for this shit? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you'd have to, like, what is it, diamonds, you'd have to go to Antwerp or something, right? I mean, isn't that... I wouldn't even know. Like, that's the thing is, like, I mean, I've never thought about it at this I, scale, but I've thought about it at prices right scale. Where, like, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, hey. if like they say, hey, you want a jet ski? Like, where the fuck am I going to put a jet ski? You know what I mean? I don't have, I, I, I rent mean, a room in an apartment. I can't fucking, I don't have anywhere to put this shit. I, I mean, I've seen the movie Snatch. I know a thing or two about Don. <laughs> okay. So, yeah, that's what you're an expert. All right. So, in 2005, the Banco Central robbery in Fortaleza, Brazil, was once recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the world's greatest bank robbery. To pull it off, a 25-member gang set up a fake landscaping business. Oh, Four Seasons Landscaping. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> I forgot what it was. <laughs> I don't know whatever it was. 
and spent three months digging a 256-foot tunnel that led up through the bank's vault floor. Only a third of the crew was eventually caught, and just one-eighth of the money was recovered. It seems like this is a theme. Like, they catch some people, and they never recover all the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Has anybody gotten away yet? Who got away? Like, it seems like, I don't, it seems like... The uh, Lebanese one. Well, and then part of it is, like, they catch some of them, but they don't catch all of them. So it's almost like you're gambling on, not all of us are going to make it. Right. But you're just kind of gambling on, like, eh. It's kind of like stand-up comedy in that regard. That's exactly what I was going to say. Exactly, (laughs) dude. Not all of us are going to make it to the end, but some of us. Some of us are going to get shot in the head by our own guys. To to be fair, the odds of making it seem to be a lot better for these bank robbers. Absolutely. I thought that's what this was. We were all discussing new career paths. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) That's basically what it is. This is what we got post-COVID. All right, Bobby, you can do this next one. The largest cash robbery in British history went down in 2006 at a Securitas warehouse in Kent after an inside man filmed the interior of the warehouse in preparation. Men in elaborate masks kidnapped the manager and held his family hostage, forcing him to give access to the cash cages and the $83 million inside. Turns out their masks were too good, and the makeup artist who designed them became a key witness in the case. What? Yeah, they had these really elaborate masks. I'm hoping the guy didn't, didn't sign them as well. He was like, this is fucking this too good. I got to get credit for this shit. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh, that's a Johnson original. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> they held his family hostage? Yeah, that's uh, also a recurring theme is, um, you know, just threaten people's families. You can get some shit done. <laughs> okay. Bada beam, bada boom. It's like, they, yeah, you just ask the two, you you just ask the two, the two in guys in Chicago, boom, you're ready. All right, Ian, you can do this next one. All right, in 1987, Valerio Vici, a man wanted for more than 50 armed robberies in Italy, came close to committing the perfect crime. He and a friend walked into Knightsbridge Bank, asked to rent a safe deposit box, and pulled guns on the bank manager when they were shown into the vault. They put a closed sign on the door, let in some more friends, and made off with... $97 million in cash and valuables from the other safety deposit boxes. VC fled to South America and only got caught when he returned to England to have his precious Ferrari shipped to his new home. So, right. See, this is another one of the fucking, it seems like the recurring themes. is like they get away with it and then somebody yeah. does some stupid shit and that's how they get caught. Well, he got caught because he has a little penis and he wanted to show off his little penis car, <laughs> so vanity foiled him, basically. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, who would have known? All you need to do is get a closed sign to hang on the door. Well, the gun's like... a big part of it, too. I think we, yeah, can, that's... <laughs> we can safely assume if he had a, an average-sized penis, he would not have gotten caught. Yeah, so if he would have just been satisfied with a Honda Fit, he would still be in South America. I'm telling you, them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, they get good gas mileage, I'll say that. All right, guys, it's time to check in with our favorite 7-Eleven. Uh, what, what would you describe yourself as, Chris? What is your job description? Oh, I'm just a fucking sucker, dude. Like, <laughs> All right, so our favorite 7-Eleven sucker, Crispy, everybody. Hey, Crispy, how's it Crispy. going, dude? Oh, pretty good, Crispy. pretty good. I actually have tonight off, which is uh, great from the, uh, just from like a little break from the madness. Okay. So wait, you're reporting live from the 7-Eleven on your night off? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Does, is there anything you won't sacrifice for our fans? <laughs> no, never, man. I got I to have my me time. <laughs> <laughs> 
What is the latest at the 7-Eleven, Crispy? What's been going on? Oh, man, just wild shit, dude. Like, <laughs> it's getting, like, I, I guess people running out of that stimmy money. Like, motherfuckers getting desperate out here. Like, Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I had a guy trying to steal some beer earlier, which is no regular. Just like, you know, I caught him. Right. I was like, hey, I used to see him, like, on the camera, just, like, st sticking, like, three tall boys in his pocket. Wow. And I'm like, okay, I, go, I go over there. I'm like, hey, bro, can I please get those back? Uh, as, you know, as polite as possible because customer service is always first. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and then he just like pulled like the reverse Uno card out on me and just said no and just walked out the door. <laughs> oh, <okay>. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, shit, I know they could do that. Um, so like I was like personally insulted. Somebody like could do what I'm supposed to like call the police, like hoping they can help. Like he's on foot. Because, like, he, I don't really think he thought this heist through. Oh, yeah, he didn't have an escape, man? No, like, uh, no there's nobody involved involved who takes, like, the third four loco. Like, uh, there was, like, no, he was, like, all for the money, man. He's on foot, so just look for the guy that's got, like, the trail of broken glass and a soaked pant leg, I guess. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude, it was, like, straight up in his pocket. I don't know how he wasn't breaking that shit. Yeah, it was, like, <laughs> one of those, like, big glass Heinekens and then, like, two of the great four locos. So, like... <laughs> My man had plans tonight. I, I don't know what the order of drinking would be. I w personally, I would start with the Heineken like, and then move on. Yeah, that's hey, that, that sounds like one for him and two for whoever he's about to date rape. Well, I don't think he got that far because, like, you know, I called the cops and I'm, like, giving him the description. Like, he kind of looked like old Macaulay Culkin. And like, uh, <laughs> like with like uh, with a fedora. Like, sorry for like the talk against like your look, Carlos. But he was a fedora man. I just don't want to bring shame upon the look. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> but uh, yeah, he like so I'm giving the description. I'm like telling him where he's going. He's walking to like the next shopping center across from us. And you know, I just do this out of habit because my my manager says so. I don't really expect anything to come of it because they usually get away. Like the police aren't too enthused about doing their job. And then they kind of give him, like, <laughs> it takes, like, 30 minutes for, like, the cop to get there. And, like, when he gets there, I give him, like, what told him what happened. And then he's, like, kind of rolling his eyes at me, like, I'm wasting his time. I was like, sorry, <laughs> yeah. sorry dude. Well, it is, like, $6 worth of merchandise. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it's about the principle of the matter. <laughs> but, yeah, so I'm telling him, he's like, all right, yeah, whatever. I'll just give a look in the area. So he's, like, looking around to where it told him. And then all of a sudden, I see just like 10 minutes later, like two cop cars and like one ambulance pulls up. And it turns <laughs> out the guy that was stealing passed out in the bushes, like right next to the store. Oh, man. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, how far he made it? He drank all the beer within like 10 minutes. Which I was impressed. He hid the evidence. <laughs> I could barely get one Four loco down at night. This man did two Four locos and a Heineken. <laughs> and like he's just passed out and like there's just like a bunch of police officers hovering over him and they come back asking me like okay what do you want to do do you want to like press charges or like you want to uh give him a no trespass so, like you know i felt for the guy so i was like i don't really want to press charges and so i get like go for the no trespass option and they're like all right you gotta you gotta come out and tell him that he's banned from the property <laughs> <laughs> he, he starts working there next week Oh, for probably, dude. Like, oh, yeah. If if anyone wants a job, we're hiring over on East Independence Boulevard. Part of his restitution, he gets sentenced to like Mondays and Thursday morning shift. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh man, I wish I have to do those shifts. I, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ask him. Ask him if he wants to be on the podcast when he starts working at the South. Uh, yeah, no, I'll pass the torch over to a real storyteller. Uh, but not, they're like, okay, so they want me to come out and 
give a no trespass to a guy that's passed out. And like, I guess the way it works is like, you have to verbally tell them in front of a police officer that they're not allowed back <laughs> on the property. So I'm like, this guy's like passed out drunk. And like, I go like, all right, what do you want to tell him? I just tell him like he's banned from the property. And I was like, okay. And they go like, oh, his name is uh, Henry, by the way. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I walk up to him, like, he's passed out. He's getting loaded onto like an ambulance because, like, I don't know, like, he's just that far gone. Yeah. And by the way, don't come back. <laughs> yeah. I walk up to him, like, hey, but uh, Henry, um, you're banned from the property. Uh, please don't come back. And, well, and <laughs> what happened after he got, when he stopped crying? What did he do after he stopped crying? I know, right? Oh, you can't come back to this. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly, oh, man, I love y'all wings. No, like no response because you're like passed out, like I like an alcoholic coma. <laughs> Good lord! Now, John, you were a big alcoholic, correct? That's true. Quite a storied career. It, uh, now, <laughs> hell yeah! Did you have any happenings like this? Like stole from a store and passed out? Yes. Outside? No, I can't say. Well, you got your shit together. <laughs> um, Did- I, I never. I had one DUI towards the end. That's pretty good, though. But yeah, I I wasn't really like uh, major consequences with the law. Oh, good. That's like dude. an A plus on your like report card, dude. Like, good job, though. Like, I'm happy for yeah. you. Well, changes, but the, damn, you're like operator. I definitely talked myself out of a lot of things along the way, <laughs> and like been to court and gotten out of a couple things. But uh, like you representing yourself. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Like I'm yeah, I've represented myself. I've won a couple different things. God damn, dude. Damn, why aren't you doing law? Well, uh, because both my parents are lawyers. And, oh. uh, <laughs> and then it comes back. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, the old John Mulaney. Yeah, both my parents, my sister, everyone else in my family is a lawyer. So. Oh shit! What? Oh damn! I guess take your kid to work day really left the mark on you, man. Like your job. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I definitely like. Uh, well, and two, like, like it started with my dad fixing shit like that for me, and once I saw him do it, I was like, oh yeah, I can go do that pretty easily. It's not hard. Well, see now, like I'm, I'm actually because I was a crispy. You said like the guy, they try the guy tried to pull the Uno card on you. Yeah, he just said no. I was like, wow, no one's ever tried that before. Yeah. That was- <laughs> bit, you, you're not a big guy, are you? Oh, uh, well, I'm like six foot, but I'm like very, very skinny and meek and pale. Okay. But he yeah. basically, he, he's basically just telling you, what, are you going to kick my ass right yes. there? Yeah, That's for the good. honor of 7-Eleven, I will duel you right here. Yeah. Trial by fire, sir. I mean, right, but that's the calculation, right? Is Does this person care about 7-Eleven enough? Yeah, yeah. 7-Eleven's $6. Listen, if you fucking disrespect our crack pipes and the tube roses, I will fight you right now. <laughs> so, John, since you were fucking pretty much getting away with it as far as the law is concerned, then why did you fucking quit? Was it just health? Oh, uh, this time? Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, this time. Yeah, let's, just, let's, keep, let's keep them in order. <laughs> uh, all right. I don't know. This time it was my 40th birthday, and I was like, I don't know. I'm going to actually give sobriety a shot on my own. Hell yeah, dude. On my own volition. Like, I've done it a lot in the past. You know, the first time it was my parents, and uh, a couple times it's been girlfriends who asked me to stop. Um, 
<laughs> That's usually a great sign. Yeah. The, you figured this time you do it for numero uno. Well, yeah, it doesn't go that well when you try to do it for other people too, you know? <laughs> yeah. At least not at least not when you're a road comic who's on his own on Friday and Saturday nights in hotel rooms, you know? <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, did you get, that's a good point. Did you get in trouble at shows for being drunk? Yes. <laughs> I have definitely ruined a show or two (laughs) (laughs) my brother Uh, well feel free to go into explicit detail okay all right i'll uh i'll I'll give you the worst of the ones that i know (laughs) two two examples two examples for the pod um so there was one in minnesota where i had like started to get pretty decent and was like working the road and stuff, but I started drinking and I came back to town. I got, I got shit faced. Wait, night. wait, 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 like d- decent at comedy or decent at drinking? Yeah. Like I had just started <laughs> working basically <laughs> okay, is what I'm okay. trying to say. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, which I'm nice. This is not, I'm not trying to brag, but it'll, it's going to come into focus. Yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. <laughs> um, so I had done, it was like a, like a Mexican restaurant. Where oh, all right, stop would... showing up. You can stop showing off right now, dude. <laughs> right, Damn, right, right. Doing no. Mexican restaurant shows and shit. Well, well, it was so there was some good stuff. I think so. A, a rehab friend of mine, because it was like I said, I just started drinking again, decided to like go out with me and she stayed sober, but she was like ordering shots for you and told me she was like, I'm trying to teach you a lesson. <laughs> And what I, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, this will be great. But I was supposed to close the show. And by the time that came around, I was shit hammered. Like, I was completely blackout. I don't remember anything of it. But apparently it was so bad that one of my friends had to come up and, like, reclose the show. And it was, a bu- it was the buddy who'd finished second to me in the Acme contest. And he, like, called me the next day. And he was like, I just want you to know, like, I never in my life did I think that you would do so badly at a show that I would have to come up and fix it. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, he's like, I know we're buddies and I encourage this behavior up until now, but I made a mistake. You have a problem. Like That's hilarious, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh it was not good. You know what that reminds me of? I once I was opening for Stan Hope in Charlotte once and Paul Hooper, who we've mentioned before, sure. who was both our roommates, he was both John and I we, we were both in the same place actually yeah. in New York City. He's got and he's got some good ones of these too. Oh yeah, he has some great <laughs> uh, fucking alcoholic stories, but he was sober <laughs> at this point. And I was opening for Stan Hope in Charlotte, but Paul was in town. So he came with me and he was going to do us. I was like, hey, man, just do a, a guest spot. And that's the first time that because Paul had done an opening spot for Stanhope like two or three years before that. And that particular show ended with Stanhope trying to choke out Paul because of because <laughs> Paul dropped. Why? Dude, it's like Hell a long yeah. story that he has to tell, but it was something okay. like he was dropping one too many N-bombs just to try to be funny. Oh, God. And, and it <laughs> offended. Classic, yeah, and I think it offended Bingo, and then so fucking uh, Stan Hope was choking him. And so whatever, that, that was the first time that he had seen Stan Hope since then. But Paul was sober at this point. 
uh, so he was, you know, like it was an awkward first meeting, but it was okay. Sure. You know, Doug, I mean, Absolutely. I'm sure Doug's <laughs> done plenty of worse shit too, but. Oh, oh, I've had, so that, that's a good lead in into my second story. Too. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. Great. But let me, let, I'll just finish this just cause this yeah. kind of relates to what you just said is that when Stanhope went up, after I'd gone up, after Paul went up and all that, yeah. he was basically saying like, how, oh, you know, you have friends that they say like they've gone sober and you're like, come on, man, have another drink or whatever. That's not Paul Hooper. Like that, you do not want to encourage him to drink. Like, that's <laughs> the one guy you do not want to encourage to have another drink. So that's what that reminded me of. I had heard that about him, that I had heard that story, that, that Stanhope himself had been like, it's good that you're not drinking. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Think of how terrible it is to you meet somebody and they all you're just meeting them for the first time and they already hate you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, there's not much coming coming back from that. So what's your second story, John? Okay. So the second one was like several years later, but it was on the road. So okay, I know this. You don't you have a experience where you like Things didn't go well in Chattanooga. Oh yeah, yeah. There's a yeah. There's a there's a story. Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. Well, I think it's different clubs, but this is my Chattanooga story. Um, and I had been to this club before, but it was like Vaudeville Cafe. I think oh, was yeah. the name of it. I remember um, that club. They I think they usually did like improv or sketch there. Yeah. But they did and it stand was up like on a the weekends. Room for a yep. while. Uh huh. So. It, I was doing this awful thing where I would drive through the night to the show and like get the hotel as early as I could and then just sleep through the day. Uh-huh. And, and I would do it with my fiance. And sometimes I would like drink at the end of the drives when she was driving and then we just go to sleep and I'd wake up and go to the show. Okay. But this week I was like, I started to get like flu like symptoms and we got to Chattanooga and the hotel was a riverboat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, shit. Wow. Yeah. I, I didn't do that one. I, I'd never seen um, it a riverboat. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I probably oh would have enjoyed God. it had I not been stinking drunk and sick. But <laughs> the waves <laughs> were not good for like sleeping. So, yeah. all right. So. Then I decided, all right, I'm just going to chug this bottle of NyQuil and go to sleep. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll wake up in 10 hours or eight, 10 hours and the show will go great. Sure. <laughs> so I wake up and I'm still wasted. <laughs> On fucking NyQuil? And like, I know it's like the sort of thing like where I'm like, this could be bad. Were you like wasted um, and also robo tripping? <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, pretty close to that. Like, I remember going to the show and being like, okay, this is probably not going to be a great set, <laughs> but I'm just going to try to get through. That, that's, that's how I get to most of my sets, actually. Right. <laughs> Which I have to say, at that point, had never failed me. <laughs> um, but uh the headliner was a guy named dave stone oh, oh yeah. yeah yeah we knew dave yeah i know dave i know dave who you guys i i guess know who i've never seen again since <laughs> but I, had, I had met once and like was kind of friendly with and was really excited to work with. and then the mc was a guy named caleb Sinan. Oh, oh i yeah. know caleb too yeah he's from uh, they're both from atlanta yeah, both atlanta guys yeah 
Yes, who is obviously fantastic himself. And Dave had brought Caleb to the show. And I remember thinking, like, this probably isn't going to be a very good show, but I'll be fine. And then I was at the bar and I was like sipping on the one beer thing, like, okay, just get through it and get out of here. And Caleb started killing. And I was like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) I'm. I'm fucked now. Like there's no chance I'm pulling this together, (laughs) but it's still, I was like sort of confident and I went up and I started bombing and then I was like bombing bad. But were you bombing because you couldn't get your material? Yeah, I couldn't remember like the order to the jokes and like, I mean, I was like messing up punchlines, right? It was all pretty bad and they'd seen a good show up until that (laughs) it's like like they went to another world (laughs) right and in my head i had had drank at shows a little bit by then so i knew i was like well i'm just not gonna ruin the show i'm just gonna get off stage like fuck it (laughs) i'm a professional (laughs) yeah so i was so apparently as i was leaving the stage i was told i was like uh, I'm just going to leave because you guys have a great headliner and uh, you can just tell the booker that I was drunk. <laughs> <laughs> so that one was pretty bad. But then then I was so then I worked with Caleb like ooh, maybe less than a year later and I was headlining and he was middling. And mm. I was like, this is miserable. <laughs> like, fucking, <laughs> fucking kill me that this guy. And I knew him at that point. And I knew he was like, I was like, what is he doing middling anymore? <laughs> like, why is this happening to me? <laughs> Taunting <Yeah>. you. <laughs> but we ended, up, we ended up getting along great. We're friendly now. Uh, no, but, yeah. I didn't met Caleb when he was like an open micer in Athens. He's originally from Athens, Georgia, and then he moved yes. to But yeah, they're he's both- so funny, man. Oh, yeah, yeah he's, he's really funny. Dude. I, I mean, and I'll never forget the first time I saw it because that's when I was like, fuck, this guy's too funny. <laughs> it's the fucking <laughs> worst. Fuck. It's like, I hate having openers that are good. That's why I always bring Bobby with me when I try <laughs> yeah. when I go. Over. Uh, <laughs> I usually love it. I just, <laughs> nah, I'm just fucking around. No, yeah, it's good. It's, it sets it up, but. Yeah, <laughs> usually, well, I will admit, in all fairness, I've never drank a whole bottle of NyQuil in preparedness for a show and then stayed at a riverboat. Yeah, that was not, uh, the, it, that was just a bad, <laughs> bad weekend. <laughs> all right, well, that's the podcast. Thank you so much for doing the podcast, John. Really appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you, yeah, John. Man. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything you, I mean, I know there's not a whole lot of shows going on, but you got any kind of social media or anything you want to promote, dude? Yeah, sure. Um, my Twitter handle is Conroy FTW. Instagram is John Conroy Comedy. And uh, I actually do have a show uh, oh, cool. coming up in, uh, I'm in Leesburg for DC Improv at Tally Ho Theater, February 27th. Right on, dude. So there is, it's slowly coming back, I guess, or or it's just like... Yeah, like, I have one paid show this Friday that's outdoors, and then I have that one that I took with Improv, which I assume will be great, because they're a top-flight club, and they're going to be doing things by the book. Right on. I appreciate you being on the show, making the time, man. Hope to talk to you again soon, Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. Crispy, how about you? You got anything you want to promote? 
Man, the only I haven't been doing much uh, gigs other than open mics, but I've been streaming on Twitch at Chris P. Kami Die. Oh, you're gonna have to spell that out, dude. Okay, so <laughs> like Chris, like my name, then P, then C O M E D I E. All right, we'll follow you because we have a fucking Twitch for the podcast that we never use. So really, watch me play Cyberpunk, dude. Fuck yeah! Oh, how big is your dick? <laughs> Bro, I, I went with average size and then uh, I went with regular dick, no foreskin, because I heard rumors that some of the characters will laugh at you if you have foreskin in the game. <laughs> Wait, okay, so video games have clearly changed quite a bit since I last played, like, Call uh, of Duty. Dude, yeah, where are you? Oh, yeah, dude, there's, there's whole dick physics now. It's great. The foreskin okay. wars, I guess. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite one. <laughs> well, Crispy, man, thanks for being on the podcast, my dude. You know, I love you, bro. Thank you, Chris. I love you too, man. I'll try not to get shot at 7 Eleven so I can tell stories. Please don't. But if you do, survive that shit so you can talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Get shot, but don't die from the shot. I'll I'll turn the cheek, man. I'll just get hit and jump. Get get shot, but I mean, wear a vest. Jesus Christ. (laughs) That's right. You work at 7 Eleven, for God's sake. I want AR 15 at my job, but they won't let me have it. Yeah, fucking communist. (laughs) Thanks, Biden. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Biden. Like, you're only like have gas station guys die by the thousands. That's right. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Right. Take care. Yeah, love you, Take love care right. Bobby, you got any last words? Like, like, you know, you know, like, you know, you know, like, like, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, like, like, you know, 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 like, 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 you know, like, like, you know, like, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, like, like, you know, you know, you know, like, you know, you know, you know, like, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, like, you know, like, 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 you know, like, 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 you know, you know, you know. Perfect, Bobby. How about you, Ian? You got any last words? So one of these stories we covered tonight got me thinking. I think I'm going to set up an OnlyFans account and do a little kitty cat play. I think oh, that, fuck yeah. I think that's going to be my new side hustle, boys. Are you going to really try to play like a regular cat or are you just going to emulate your own cats and just piss on shit? I think I'm going to, you know, you know, like, you know, 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 like, you know, like, you know, 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 it's like, you know, you know, you know, you know. You know, invoke feline cat, you know, and just sort of be like the proverbial stray that just plays by his own rules, you know, see how that goes. Oh, I like it. <laughs> I like it, dude. I mean, I think I think that's going to take off. Like, mark my words, that'll take off. And then you'll end up leaving the podcast. And then me and Bobby eventually are going to be like, hey, man, please let us be on your OnlyFans. I'm telling you, we'll do a, <laughs> we'll do a three-way team up, sassy kitties. I like it. It'll be like, you know, I like, like, like. Like, 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 you know, like, you know, like, you know, like, like, you know, you know, you know, you know, you know, like, you know, like, like, you know, like, you know, you know, like, you know, like, you know, you know, like, you know, you know, you know, like, like, you know, you know, like, you know, like, you know, you know, like, you know, like, like, you know, you know, you know, like the Thundercats would be like the new Thundercat. Only more feral and with a lot more pissing. That's right. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you want to support the podcast monetarily and financially, please follow us on Patreon, patreon.com slash indecorous comedy. We've been posting extras just every week now, and we still have several more that have not been released yet. And exclusive episodes. We're doing full exclusive episodes, too. That's right. We have a full exclusive episode available on Patreon that didn't air just for the regular feed. Yeah, Yeah, but... To be fair, if you're already supporting us financially, you don't need to take the extra step and support us monetarily. 
I mean, no, I, I, I agree with you, but I'm saying like, hey, you know what? If you want to take it that extra step and also support us fiduciarily. <laughs> fiduciarily. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> then you can as well. Monetarily, fiduciarily. Benefactorially. Benefactorially. Sugar daddly. Sugar Dadly. I like that one. Sugar Dadly. Yeah, it sounds like it's got some Ned Flanders in it. Yeah, Sugar Dadly. <laughs> then follow us on Patreon.com slash Indecorous Company. How do you spell Indecorous, Bobby? It's I-N-D-E-C-O-R-O-U-S. That is right. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Walk your cat. Walk your cat. I, I feel like at some point, like... You know, I mean, the walk your cat thing is definitely only for (laughs) people that maybe have, you know, essentially friends of ours. Maybe that started. Oh, yeah. I don't don't expect anybody to actually understand what that means. It's kind of a cool funnel. It's kind of a But it gets a little weird at the end. I don't understand. Homage to their dead friend. I haven't come since it arrived.